Amen. Well, good morning. Ready? Okay. Thank you, first of all. <laughs> Thank you for your encouragement, my brother. This guy hangs out with uh, elementary age boys on Wednesday night. Doesn't get out much with the Royal Rangers. <laughs> Talking about suffering for Jesus today. Sermon title today is When It Hurts. Yeah. There's Kleenexes under the seats. You need to know that. You may, may, use, may use them. You know, I'm convinced. I was already convinced, but after coming in today and the things that in church life, sometimes things go wrong. You know, sometimes computers don't work and different things happen. And we have to run around finding communion because we don't know where it went, disappeared. But we found it. It reminds me that the enemy is always at work to try to derail what God wants to do. And it's our obligation, it's our opportunity, it's our responsibility to operate as if the victory has already been won, right? To not get distracted and throw our hands up and give up because that's not who we're called to be. We're called to be more than conquerors. And to me, that means we win and then we dance. We dance in celebration in full view of the enemy. <laughs> I don't want to just beat the devil. I want to remind him that I beat him. Are, are you with me? To, does anybody want to do that today? You know why? Because... It's one of those things that children of God, sons and daughters of the Most High God, have the authority through Jesus, and we forget so quickly. It's not, it, it's become this thing when we wake up on the wrong side of the bed, we feel like, woe is us. Heaven is now in the balance because I had a bad morning. Guys, if we could only see, to catch a glimpse, there have been missionary stories, and they're abundant. It's not like it happens one time or the other, that, that go into other countries or into other spiritual strongholds, and, and, and even when you have people even in the United States, which, by the way, here our work, out, our work is cut out for us because we've become so comfortable so complacent that spiritual matters have become a back burner issue. But can I tell you something? It should be on the forefront of our mind. And when the devil sees us coming, he should run. And when he thinks about dispatching the enemy to go and mess with you, he'll think twice. This graphic if, if there was ever a picture that explained what's in my heart, it's this. The whole idea of in the fade is when you can't see clearly what's in front of you. More importantly, when you can't see past the obstacle. 
Well, what in the world is over that? It gives us pause. It makes us nervous. It almost discourages us from moving forward altogether. I don't know what's going to happen if I step forward in faith. But I want you to know that God is on the other side of that, calling to you. Trust me. Trust me. Preacher I've listened to before said it this way. Sometimes it only takes one phone call to change everything. And it could be any, any news on the other side of the line, but it could rattle you to the core. And Jesus talks about when our foundation is not built on him, then we very quickly could fall. But he is the rock, and we got to stand on that. Amen? No matter what this world throws at you, if you are firmly planted on the rock, then you will not fall. What is the fade? The fade is when you cannot see past the obstacle, the mountain, the cloud. Pick something. God calls to us from the other side to follow him. I remember going to a parent-child retreat as a teenager with my dad. And we had to do a trust walk exercise through a mountain trail. I nearly killed him. <laughs> he put a blindfold on and grabbed a hold of my hand, and I took off. Slow down, son. And then there was a time in the exercise that no, we no longer held hands. It was just the sound of our voice. Go left, go right, fall, <laughs> which is what I should have been saying. You're fitting to fall. But he had to trust me because sometimes we cannot see what God sees. I would even be so bold to say that if we saw the end of the story, we would mess it up on the way. I saw a video the other day, made me laugh. They were doing a trust fall. You guys have never done a trust fall. On this trust fall, they didn't have the brightest of bulbs do the trust fall, and so they set the whole thing up, and they fell the opposite direction of where the people were. <laughs> Have you seen that one? Duh. You see, the thing is, is if we really trust God and His plan for our lives, then our posture should be always moving forward. The armor of God covers us in the front from the attacks of the enemy. There's nothing in the armor of God that we find listed in Scripture that covers the back because we're not supposed to retreat. <laughs> so the moment you turn and run, the arrows can hit you much more readily. You're much more exposed to the attacks of the enemy when you run. See, I want to be a church that moves forward. I want to be a person that moves forward. I want to be one that when obstacles come, I push forward and say, by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit that he's given me, by the name of Jesus, I continue to press on toward the goal. You see, in the fade, it's hard because we cannot see the end. And sometimes it's good to have a reminder that God stands outside of space and time. He's not limited to it the way we are. His understanding is so much deeper. God is calling us to press on, to put one foot in front of the other. 
It is the wrong way to go backwards, always. Always. It's the wrong way to go backwards. A place the fade is, a place that resides in the back of your mind, a state of our fallen world, our flawed perspective, it can consume you. But when considering the cross, it can also remind you of your greatest gift, that is salvation that comes through Christ alone. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I apologize in advance. I'm jumping around a lot. I don't know what these knuckleheads are going to have on the screen. It's a term of endearment around here, by the way. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says this. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. This is written by the Apostle Paul, a giant in the faith, a powerful preacher, an evangelist, and missionary. He says, I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Friend, I want you to understand right out of the gate that every message preached from this pulpit is a salvation message. They have different themes and different objectives, but I want to start with saying this, that if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that before we're done today. Paul said it here, and I'll testify myself, and I guarantee if I went around the room, the room you would hear stories upon stories of bad stuff. That I did this, but Jesus saved me. But I did that, but Jesus saved me. I have this story, but Jesus saved me. I am an example of God's goodness and forgiveness and mercy and grace. And friend, if he can save me and do something with me, he can do the same for you today. And if I had time to tell you my whole story, I believe that the testimony would have a raucous applause because of God's goodness. All you need to know is that me standing here each and every Sunday is only by His grace. In the fade, 1 Kings chapter 19, we find a prophet who was in the fade. His name was Elijah. His story is preached often as one of the most powerful images and examples of God's goodness and mighty power. As he calls all the prophets of an idol named Baal, a false god, to a mountain to have a battle. They dance around and try the best they can to bring their god down in fire to consume a sacrifice. They spend hours and hours doing everything they know to do, and nothing happens. And then Elijah steps up and calls to the God of heaven, and it happens in a moment. And you see, this was a reckoning for that time because the king, Ahab, 
had called this thing together. And Elijah had said, I will answer this call. Right after that, the decree was gone out to put these prophets of this false god to death. And they did. Well, word got back to the queen, Ahab's wife. Her name was Jezebel. And she got mad. She sent out word to have Elijah killed. And Elijah ran. He ran and he hid in 1 Kings chapter 19. If there was ever a person that was in the fade that couldn't see what was coming and couldn't see what was next, it was Elijah as he laid in the wilderness, hidden, the Bible says, under a broom tree. What was the answer for him? He took a nap. Come on. He took a nap. And it says here in verse 4, of 1 Kings chapter 19. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. You couldn't take it anymore. Have you ever felt like you cannot handle it? it you, you're just done. Can I tell you that the sin of pride is the original sin and the sin of you deciding when you die is also pride? God alone is in charge of that. So Elijah knew it, and he said, listen, I just want, Lord, take me. I'm reminded of the ever-dramatic Sanford from Sanford and Son. <laughs> when he felt like he couldn't handle it, ah, this is the big one. For everyone too young to know, you're just missing out. <laughs> he had a nap. It says, verse 5, he lay down and slept under that broom tree. And while he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and listen, there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. What did he need? He needed a nap and a snack. And God gave him exactly what he needed. And then the angel said, why don't you go back to bed? Okay. Woke him up again. Here's some more food. Because the journey is long. You see, guys, God knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And he knows that there may be times where it feels like it's a long journey. And he knows exactly when you're exhausted. And he knows spiritually what you need. And I'm telling you, what you need is the bread of life that comes from this book. And what you need is a rest that only comes with the Holy Spirit, your comfort, your peace. And sometimes we just try to do it on our own. We laugh about Elijah taking a nap, but sometimes what you need is just step away from the nonsense and let God minister to you. Guys, we try so hard to fix the problems that we made ourselves anyway. And God is saying, well, would you just let go and get out of the way? I don't know if you know this, but I created heaven and earth in six days. I got it. Oh, no, let me help you. It's like the toddler with the toy trying to make it work. And sometimes parents just say, give it to me. Here. Right? 
Sometimes we say, okay, God, you got it. I'm going to go take a nap. David found his closest moments, his uh, closest moments of friendship in the middle of the fade when he couldn't see what was going to happen. Saul was trying to kill him. He was in the cave. He was on the run. He had no idea. He had been anointed king, but he had, it hadn't happened yet. In the fade, he couldn't see past it. Every Sunday, your worship leader stands up here and leads you in worship. Right now, my cousin, who's a firefighter in Mint Hill, that's his only excuse to miss church that I approve of. Both of them have a condition called VHL, Von Hippel-Lindau. It sounds fancy, but it's not. It's deadly. My father had it. It causes cancer in many areas. Both of them have tests, CAT scans and MRIs often. My cousin has had multiple surgeries. Wes has had a surgery. Believe it or not, your worship leader only has one ear that works. And I always forget which one, so don't ask me. <laughs> he stands up here and leads you in worship. He father, he's a father to his children and a husband to his wife. My cousin is the same way, a firefighter, a full-time electrician, a great husband and a great father. And they have this thing in the back of their mind. It's the fade. They can't see what's going to happen. But they have to choose every single day. Either I'm going to trust in this disease or I'm going to trust in the God who can heal me. Somebody needs to be paying attention today. He is God. And He is in control. And He is never surprised. And yes, you can function as a victor every single day no matter what that phone call was on the other side that you got. I remember walking through COVID myself more than two years ago. People ask me often, have you fully recovered? I say yes, unless I need an excuse for something. <laughs> I'm thankful to the Lord for that. Stop it. Being serious right now. God showed me something as I laid in that hospital bed. I was in the hospital for seven days. It wasn't that long, but it felt like an eternity because I couldn't have any visitors. And woe is me, right? God saved my life. And before I got sick, I prayed Psalm 91 because this was early. When I got COVID, there was only 300 people in North Carolina that had COVID that day. It was early, and no one knew what to do. And I prayed Psalm 91, I remember, in a prayer meeting here at church. And Psalm 91 is beautiful. It talks about the protection of the Lord, how His feathers will cover us. In verse 5, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day, nor the dread, not, and do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness. As I read this, I stood upon the Word of God and said, God, this I pray over myself and my family and my church. 
And then I got sick. And then I shared it with my whole family. And I laid in that stupid bed of mine with that little wiener dog comforting me. We call her Nurse Rosie. Her name's Rosie. No relation to Rosie Zayas, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes when I have Moises and Rosie at the house, and uh, Rosie, our, my dog barks, and I'm like, Rosie, would you just shut up? <laughs> and, and then <laughs> back, back to the, anyway. And I prayed this over myself, but guess what? I still got sick. And you know what? I said, God, what gives? You promised me. I stood on it. I prayed it. I believed it. And here I am. Gonna die. While I was in the hospital in Psalm 94, he showed this to me as I was fussing. He reached down. Verse 17, unless the Lord had helped me, I would have soon settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I'm slipping, but your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Now, my life was saved, but there have been others that have died, many. Why? I don't know. And we won't know. But I do know this, that God is still sovereign, and he's still in control, and he's still good. So I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. But if you find yourself in the fade, this entire sermon series is simply this. Don't try to figure it out. Because that burden will break you. Trust God and watch Him work. Bow your heads with me as I pray. Lord Jesus, have your way today. Give us a wonderful time in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't have a clock back there. It's teeny, teeny, tiny. Says 9.30. I think I'm good. We all fell back a couple hours just now. Now that was the introduction. Here we go. Sermon title, as I mentioned, is When It Hurts. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Here in America, we have no idea what that looks like. And I think we're just now starting to see it. But I want you to know something. The Bible says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Prosperity preachers, they miss this part. I do believe that God will bless you. 
when you're obedient. I do believe that God will provide for your needs according to his riches and glory. I do believe that, that God wants to give you abundantly and all that you ask or think. I, I do believe all of those things, but I also believe what the word says, that when we truly want to live a godly life, it's going to be hard. Persecution may come our way. It's a little bit different today in the sermon series or today's sermon on your note sheet. It's just a bunch of blanks. So if you want to write things down, here they come. First of all, out of pain comes praise. Out of pain comes praise. We find in 1 Peter chapter 4, this passage written... by Peter, which church historians will tell you, was crucified as a martyr for Jesus. But when they went to crucify him and put him on the cross, he said that he didn't want to die that way because he's not worthy. And so what they did is flip the cross upside down and killed him anyway. He wrote this, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. And be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and terrible worship of, of idols. Verse 4, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they slander you. What does that look like? That looks like you being serious and not playing games with God anymore and say, you know what? I'm going to follow the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to say no to sin and all of the habits of my past, and I'm going to do this thing right. And then your friends, that you're, your friends that may be with you now, your party friends, let's call them, they're going to look at you and say, what, you can't have fun and be a Christian at the same time? You mean you don't do that anymore? You don't do this anymore? Well, we're going to go have fun with that. And then they're going to start tagging you on Facebook and making fun of you. You never know what will come. But what I want you to know is pleasing God is so much more important than pleasing people. So let them talk. Because at the end of the day, they're just mad at you. And God may be doing something in their spirit. And what you may see is that the power of your witness for the sake of the Lord could change them too. Do not compromise. If you're going to live for Jesus, then live for Him. I can guarantee you, the people in nations that really do persecute Christians, in places like North Korea, and in Afghanistan, and in Iran, and in the Middle East, and other places, these places that really do persecute Christians, killing them and imprisoning them, I can tell you that they're not as concerned, those Christians, with the things that tie us up here in America. Idolatry for things that money can buy. Pornography that, in, that wraps up so many men and women. The lust of the flesh. Pride. 
that says, let me put on my best on Sunday. I don't want nobody to know I got problems. You're not only fooling yourself. Everybody knows. Really? Can we be transparent as a church with one another and say we're all broken and busted and need Jesus? Because I think as soon as we take off the mask and we toss it, then the healing begins. Passage continues in verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very, very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, can we stop putting our devotion to political parties and make sure that our devotion lies where it should with the kingdom of an almighty God? Amen? If you're caught up talking about nonsense that's not eternal online, stop it. From me to you. Because what you're doing is destroying your witness on both sides. Blue, red, purple, Taste the rainbow. I don't care. Pick something. But I'm telling you, if we can just take a step back and make it about Jesus again, first, foremost, and forever, it may change things. Amen? What you will not find is this preacher in this pulpit telling you who to vote for. But what you will find is this pre preacher in this pul pulpit telling you what the Bible says about what to vote for. You with me? Aren't you thankful that we have an example in Jesus? Out of pain comes praise. Suffering for Jesus brings blessing. To die is to gain, Paul said. Secondly, out of uh, the pain of accusation brought the truth of Jesus we find in the story of Acts chapter 6. Sometimes the ripping off of the band-aid is the only thing that brings healing. And we see Stephen, the first martyr, brought before religion. In Acts chapter 6, we see Stephen being persecuted, being killed, not for something he had done wrong, but for doing something right. Now, the thing about it is, is religion said it was wrong. Huh. Well, religion can shove it. Are you with me? I'm fed up. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the act. How in the world can broken people walk into a church and feel accepted and feel like they can find Jesus too unless we're already full of broken people? Stephen spoke against religion in chapter 6. He put them on blast. He said in a more gracious way what I said. Stephen said, so they... 
persuaded men as he was talking about religion. He, uh, as, as this went down, the religious leaders persuaded some men to lie about Stephen saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God, which he didn't. This roused the people, the elders, the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man always speaks against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel. Guys, you need to understand what they're accusing him of is actually what he was doing. He came to talk about how Jesus was dismantling the old ways and making room for salvation through the cross. The old sacrificial system was gone. You no longer need to bring a lamb. The lamb of God has taken all the sins of the world. The temple that was designed to keep people away so the presence of God wouldn't overwhelm them and kill them. Catch this. Everything changed when Jesus died. The presence of God was now something that with, the, with Jesus, we could walk into the presence of God. The veil that separated was torn in two. And as Stephen says and said, listen, you can come into the presence of God, of my, God Almighty. Those ways are now behind us because Jesus has made a new covenant. Guess what he's saying? Guess what he's doing? And the religious leaders couldn't stand it. Why? Because it took their power. Reminded of the time of William Tyndall, who translated the scriptures into the common language, and how the church leaders killed him for that very act. Because if the people couldn't read the Bible themselves, they couldn't come to their own conclusions, and they couldn't realize that what these priests were saying was completely off. I, I, I invite you, go home and read up on what we're talking about today. Please study. Please be a student of the Word. Don't tell me what some other preacher said. You go and read it for yourself. Well, this person over here said, and you say, no. The religious could see, but they were blind to the truth. As his face shone like an angel, religion sometimes serves like a filter, like Instagram. And what we really see is not what's really there. You see, I want to get past the religion of it all and just get to Jesus. You see, if I'm in the fade, religion's not going to help me. I feel like I can go and give more and I can go confess this and I can go and do this and do that and, and just maybe, 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 maybe I'll be okay. Religion will not bring you closer to God. It will drive you further away. In chapter 7, verse 51, a bold truth that Stephen said brought blind rage from those religion, religious leaders. Chapter 7, verse 51, 
You stubborn people, you are heathen, he said. After preaching a message, he sums it up with this. You are heathen at, at heart and deaf to the truth, but you must forever, but must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations. They took up and they shook their fists at him in rage. Stephen was unmoved by the religion and by the Pharisees. He was in the fade because he didn't know what was about to happen to him. He didn't know, would God allow this to take place and to go all the way through? In verse 55, the story continues as blind obedience brought forth a heavenly vision. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily, steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. You see, Stephen was obedience all the way until his death. And what happened is he was stoned to death. But even right before that, the goodness of the Holy Spirit showed him what he was about to receive. He was about to be with Jesus. And see, the thing is, is God is so good to show you, to encourage you. Recently had a conversation with someone who was sharing with me for the first time they had a vision of an angel saying that time is short. That's awesome. You know what's also cool? I knew that. Because I believe Jesus is coming soon, amen? We got to get busy. I mean, we, we got to get busy. My dad used to say it, and the evangelist before him used to say it, but doggone it, I'm going to live like he's coming tomorrow. Amen? I'm going to preach my heart out when I have an opportunity. And, and friend, you need to know if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then hell is your destiny. But all you have to do is receive the love of God that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ and will save you forever. Amen? Hallelujah. You see, the pain of prison in the story of Acts chapter 16 brought praise at midnight. The pain of prison brought praise at midnight. In the fade, we have the Apostle Paul stuck in prison because he was sharing the gospel. But literally what he was doing was fighting in the spirit. A demon-possessed girl was following him around. And the Bible tells us finally one day he got tired of it and he cast the demon out of her. Let me read to you what, how it describes her. It says she was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. You see, the problem was, is Paul didn't just remove the demon from the girl's life, but he removed the money from her masters. The Bible tells me that the love of money is the root of all evil. And they got mad about it. And friend, I also need you to know, if you're going to for fortune tellers and psychics and tarot cards and astrology, stop. None of that is of God. None of it. 
all of it have demons behind it. Stop it. This fortune teller was only able to tell fortunes by the power of the devil. We see it right here. And Paul said, I've had it! Come out of here! And it happened. So they threw him into prison. You mean you cast a demon out of her? You know what? I'm mad at you. You're going to prison. He did the right thing. I mean, you guys know that people get mad at you for doing the right thing when they're caught up in the wrong thing. Bible tells me that we, as children of God, are a fragrance. We are a fragrance to, to people around us. We are a fragrance of death to those that don't choose Jesus and a fragrance of life to those that do. So when you walk into the room, it's like this. People don't have a relationship with the Lord, and they're not going to choose a relationship with the Lord. They look at you as a reminder of their unrighteousness and unholiness and destiny. And they're like, ah, I don't want to hang out with that guy or that girl. But when we walk into a room with people that love Jesus and are drawn to him, we're a fragrance of life. We find Paul and Silas in prison. And the Bible tells us at midnight, at midnight they begin to praise the Lord. Even when your circumstance traps you, seems to trap you, your freedom comes from the Lord. I wonder if Paul was remembering the scriptures and lamentations as he was a scholar, that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And I love how this passage of scripture says, right at midnight is when they started opening their mouth in praise. I wonder if Paul said, the mercies are about to happen. It's midnight, it's morning, let's praise God for his mercies today. You see, Stephen was in the fade. Paul found himself in the same place. He didn't know what the morning would hold. The story continues on that the praise shook the prison, it shook the earth, and it shook the guards. Revival was about to break out. Because if you go all the way back to the persecution of Stephen who was also in the fade, couldn't see what was coming, but was trusting God anyway and preaching boldly. Standing on the sidelines was Paul, at that time called Saul. And now we find Paul also in the fade. Can't see what's coming in the morning, but he praises God anyway. You see, the difference is not what's coming in the morning for you. The difference is if you praise him right now. Amen? And praise him like he's already done it. Man, that will give you such joy and such motivation to wake up and say, man, today might be bad, but God's in control. Amen? Amen. Guys, we, we, <laughs> we fool ourselves to believe that we have control of these situations. We have control of one thing. Whether we submit to God's plan for our life or not. That's it. Pretty straightforward. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. I'm going to ask Brian, Shelly, you guys come up. I got to get this quilt here. I got a story to tell you. This past week, I picked up sewing. <laughs> so I made this. 
Now, you know that's, you know that's not true. You notice I was standing here when I said that, so it wasn't behind the pulpit. I was just kidding. So. <laughs> Ushers, go ahead and serve our congregation. They're passing out the elements of communion. We're going to receive that in just a moment. A quilt. It's a series of fabrics patched together to be one cohesive blanket. This quilt actually was given to me by Pastor Randy, our seniors, Greater Years Pastor. His wife, Brenda, it belonged to her. When she was a child in church, she had a an elderly gentleman that would say hello to her and encourage her every time he saw her. And growing up, she had to make her own clothes. And uh, this gentleman, in working with her family, would get the remnants of the fabric. Brenda would give it to him. and She didn't know this, but over the course of many years, he was making this for her. Out of the little dresses that she would wear to church, the little extra fabric. And a quilt is interesting because if you look at any one little piece, you don't get the whole story. Life may be good for you today, and I'm thankful for that. But I guarantee you that most of us can remember a time where we would consider ourselves in the faith, in a place of not knowing what's next. And if someone were to see the bad parts of your life, just one piece, then they may not be able to see God's goodness. They may be able to see how you've let people down or you've made a bad decision or, or your business failed or your, your marriage was on the rocks or whatever was going on. If they just saw that one piece, then they would determine that it was a failure and you had really dropped the ball. But when you piece it together, it becomes something unique. It becomes something functional. It becomes something that brings warmth, and even encouragement. I don't know if anybody else has a quilt at home that's kind of like this, but this reminds me that God is developing our life. All the pieces that have brought us to this point are coming together to make something beautiful. The Bible tells us that He will take our ashes and make something beautiful out of them. He will trade us Beauty for ashes. Today, I want you to be encouraged. That scripture also says that he's faithful and just to complete the good work that he began in you with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. I'd ask this question. The elements have been distributed. There's a cup that has a little wafer on top and a little juice underneath. We're going to take that in just a moment. We believe here at Greater Life in open communion, which means you don't have to be a member here. But the Bible tells us that we do need to be a believer upon the Lord Jesus in order to receive these elements. So today, I want to give you an opportunity. If you have not a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
Today can be the day of salvation for you. If you're in here today, say, Pastor, pray for me. I would like to receive the Lord Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior right now. That's you. Raise that hand right now. I'm not going to wait a long time. Right now. Anybody in the room today? I see that hand. Yes. I see that hand. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that hand. Yes. Anybody else? Quickly. I see that hand. Yes. Anybody else? Three more seconds. Hallelujah. Thank you for raising those hands. I saw them. Church family, we're going to do this together. For those of you that raised your hands, the scripture says that we confess in our mouth and believe in our heart that the Lord, upon the Lord Jesus, we will be saved. So right now, I'm going to lead in a prayer for everybody in the room. For those that raise your hands, get ready. And right after this, I'd like to meet you. Pray this prayer with me, congregation. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Search my heart now. Make me pure before you. I acknowledge that I'm lost in my sin. And I need your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. I believe you died for me. And you rose from the dead. Today, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take those elements. Take that wafer out. just worship the Lord together for just a moment. take that wafer it represents the body of Christ that was broken for you and for me Isaiah 53 it lays out exactly what Jesus would face Bible tells us that Jesus was also in the fade in a time as he was in the garden of Gethsemane he said father could you take this cup from me there's any other way but not my will but yours be done 
So you trusted the Heavenly Father in that moment as Jesus was both fully God and fully man in that garden, weeping, so stressed that the Bible says he sweated blood because he knew what the Scripture said in Isaiah about the beating, the abandonment that people would, would, they would run away from him. They would hate him. He would be cursed. But he said, Father, I'll do it. Not my will, but yours be done. So I want you to know, as you consider what Jesus took upon you, nothing compares to what he faced. He faced the worst of it all so you and I could find salvation. So take this wafer. Allow me to pray, Lord. This represents more than we could even talk about in just a moment. Your brokenness, it brings us healing. Healing for our body, for our mind, and healing for our entire lives. Lord, I pray as we take this and consider what you did for us. Help us to be encouraged. Knowing, oh God, that you're still the healer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the wafer and receive it now. Save your son. Hallelujah. Holy one. Hallelujah. Slain so I can live. Oh, see the Lamb, the great I am, who takes takes faith to believe that blood that spilled on the ground for 2,000 years ago is what we talk about forgives us of our sins, washes us white as snow. It takes faith to believe that because it's something that's supernatural. It's something that's spiritual. It's something that's lasting. But I believe that God, in His wonderful plan, as I prayed a prayer at five years old on the sidewalk with my dad and through the years have had to come back to him and say, Lord, it's me again. <laughs> I believe that blood has power. And I believe that the scripture says that every time I ask him, he's faithful and just to forgive me. If Let's pray together. So, Lord, as we drink this little simple cup of juice, help us to know that it represents everybody in here today. 
when we let you down and when we let ourselves down, when we make poor decisions and fall into sin, that it's because of the blood. It's because of the cross. It's because of what you did that we can be forgiven. It has nothing to do with our righteousness. Because God, if it was up to us, there'd be no hope for salvation. And I'm thankful today that it's up to you and your righteousness. Perfect sacrifice. So Lord, I pray as we take this now, that the reminder of your goodness and your forgiveness washes over this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the cup. Let's worship the Lord. important thing before we go in two weeks we have water baptism water baptism is a public act of a private decision and three of you today made that decision to follow Christ I encourage you sign up be obedient but here's the other thing I want to share with you a testimony that this old preacher had from a couple of weeks ago we had baptism and I was in the tank I hadn't been in the tank in a while I'm going to be in the tank in two weeks, by the way, just because I had so much fun. So I was able to meet with a friend who was baptized that day and said, I, I need some answers. Something happened. So as they were going in, I felt impressed upon the Lord. As we were standing there, I said a prayer. We're a Pentecostal church. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I said a prayer for this person. As soon as they came out, I said, Holy Spirit, just fill them. Baptize them right now. And as soon as they came out, they went to get out of the tank and they couldn't move. Started crying. Shared a testimony with me that something was rewired in their brain, that the things they'd struggled with before are completely gone. Because the power of the Holy Ghost. So I want to encourage you. This isn't just, the baptism isn't just something that we just do. It's something that's in here. It's something that Jesus did as an example when he went into the water. That's why we do it by immersion. 
This person shared with me one thing, and this is what I want to share with you. The testimony is really cool. But all the way up until right before we got in the tank, this person shared with me that I kept hearing in my mind, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, you're not worthy. And that's true. None of us are. But He is. And it's because of Him. He has made us worthy. And so I encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, you need to jump into the tank. You need to walk in that obedience and watch God do something amazing in your life. And I'm going to warn you, I'm going to pray for the Holy Ghost to fill every candidate when they come in there. So I'm praying that way. I'm going to add that to my, Lord, I baptize you in the name of the Father and His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit. Fill them when they get in there. Let's do it. You know, because I believe that we need the power of the Holy Ghost to live each day for Jesus. Amen? Would you reach your hands up here like you're receiving a gift? I want to pray a blessing over you, Lord Jesus, right now. May this week, not repeating after me, Donovan. I'm just talking. May this week be a blessing for each and every person. Do something amazing in their hearts and lives. Even if they're in the fade right now and can't see what's ahead of them, Lord, I pray by your power and your peace, Lord, that you would give them encouragement today. And Lord, for those that have made a decision today to follow you, Lord Jesus, thank you for reaching down and changing hearts. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.